This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. Dear friends, we know by now that there is only one glorious reality. For a long time, of course, we accepted the notion there were two approaches to understanding reality, but we understand that science and religion are mutually exclusive. There's no way they can both be right, and neither of them can tell us what our one reality actually is, because at this point, they're both belief systems, religion and science, theism and atheism. So how can you and I find the truth? Well, as you likely know by now, when we study nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications from the dead, we get a wonderfully complete picture of what actually is going on. And what we learn from the dead about our one reality is consistent with both quantum physics and the teachings of Jesus. Every time I think of that, it thrills me more how amazing that is. Our guest today is my friend Waller Joel. Uh, he, like me, he's a facts-based afterlife researcher, but his areas of expertise are different from mine. One of the things he knows a lot about and I know nothing about is physical mediumship. So today you and I are going to be learning together. Welcome, Waller. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Roberta. How kind of you to have me on. Well, it's kind of you to share your day with us because we have, this is a, a big area. I think it's going to be an area of big news before long. And uh, most people know very little about physical mediumship. So I'm, I'm looking to you to really tell us kind of where it came from and what it is and where we're going with it. Uh, next week, we'll have another guest who will talk about the same subject. So we're really going to be getting into this. But first, tell us about yourself. How did you get into doing this research? Where did you come from in this? Oh, synchronous events. Um, I spent approximately seven years working with the United States intelligence community. And we were working on software and hardware projects. And uh, as a side of that, I met quite a few people in the intelligence community, and they're very compartmentalized. And one of the compartments that they were interested in investigating was physical mediumship. And uh, this kind of dovetailed. Pardon us. The, The American intelligence community was looking at physical mediumship? Well, looking and still looking at it, they're they're very interested oh. in it. It's it, it comes from their uh, their past interest in the remote viewing, which uh, was the wow. communication of information, you know, over uh, yeah over the uh, uh, the airways of Etheria, as one person once told me. They they thought that it was, and so they were looking at uh, remote viewing very hard. Had spent decades with. Uh, intelligence community, remote viewers, uh, independent contracting remote viewers. And one thing led to another, and they got into uh, looking at the history of physical mediumship, and that, that's kind of where I got involved. And I kind of joined in with the group of, of folks <laughs> wow. uh, trying to figure out what this was. 
I'm amazed. So you're telling me the intelligence community is actually intelligent. I'm still trying to digest that. Fact. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're very of... intelligent. Actually. <laughs> very, very intelligent. Actually, no, I have a good. whole new respect for them that I never had before. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to appreciate that amazing fact. Okay, please go on. Well, it's it's it is an amazing fact in some instances, and but you know, just keep in mind the intelligence community is isn't driven by science; they're driven by weaponry, and they're driven to be war fighters, and so they're looking for, you know, combat edges and uh, anything that can deliver information that is uh, either adverse to their their goals or could assist in their goals. Uh, they're going to spend a lot of money on and be very interested in. Now, the problem was, this was 2003-2004, Roberta, there weren't very many practicing physical mediums back then. So they were hunting around, uh, spending a lot of time in China, or they were uncovering a a great source of physical mediumship. I don't know a great deal about the Chinese and their physical mediumship, but my understanding from the few contacts I have over there, it's uh, very widespread. It's very open. Wow. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, uh, more active of a community just inside the, what, 2 billion people that are in China than there is even in their national community. So wow. it was, it, it kind of just, just kind of jumped on that ride. And the next thing I know, I've got a library full of books and a nook full of PDFs and I'm reading about physical mediumship going back 200 years and following hundreds of different mediums and how their physical mediumship worked and what they were trying to get accomplished, their biographies and autobiographies on there. And it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Yeah, before we go further, can you explain for everyone what physical mediumship is and how it differs from what most people think of as mediumship, which is, which is mental? No, I can't do that. Uh, that's really <laughs> way too difficult. <laughs> Physical mediumship, Roberta, is is a real moving um, in terms of like a target. It's it's very difficult to pin down. Let me give you generally what a physical medium is compared to a mental medium. And a mental medium would be someone like Teresa Caputo, who is doing the the Long Island Medium TV series right now, and it's uh, very famous, doing quite well. It's almost become a household word. And she receives from the spirit world, those that have passed on and transitioned, the, she receives images, and she tells people in the audience that uh, are wanting to be in contact with their their spirit brethren about the images, what she sees, and makes that connection. In the physical mediumship world, there is an almost 180-degree turn of events in terms of how it operates. A a physical medium typically operates in a sitting circle, which has historically been called a a seance, Uh and they are the gateway, a portal, a bridge between those who are sitting in the seance and uh, the uh, spirit community, which is hoping to make contact with uh, those who are sitting here in our physical plane. And the, uh, what you'll see in a physical mediumship seance is just about as interesting as what you'll hear. And you'll see all kinds of, of supernormal uh, phenomena, uh, uh, objects that fly through the air without any force being applied to them. 
voices coming through the air from the spirit community, uh, speaking in conversation, not just in lecture or dialogue, but in true conversation with uh, sitters. You'll see uh, tr- entranced physical mediums, most typically. Uh, but it's an, it's what it really gets down to when you get past all of the spirit phenomena and all the different things, the levitations and the the uh, objects flying around the room, what you get down to is a, it's a spirit communication device. And it's an interface between our world here on Earth and the worlds that we know as the, uh, as the spirit world. Wow. But now, as I understand I mean, it, they, they're usually in a cabinet and kind of tied down and, and in a trance and unable to talk, that kind of thing. What, what, yeah, what's all some that of about? Them, some, of them, right, some of them do this. And, the, the idea of the cabinet is just any small enclosure, usually uh, drapes or some type of curtains hanging off of rods, that uh, allows for the energy that is coming from the spirit community to be collected and to be used to produce physical phenomena, such as smells and hot and cold drafts, levitations, the application of objects, which is the movement of an object from one location on Earth to another location, typically the seance room. You'll see spirit lights. You'll hear direct voice communications. All of this comes from the energy that has been collected inside this small enclosed draped cabinet area. The physical medium, some are tied up, uh, some are not. Uh, It is up to the... the, uh, opinion of the medium, physical medium themselves, and his spirit guides as to what would work best. The idea of tying up and controlling a physical medium, Roberta, is about the elimination of the possibility of fraud. And it oh, the so fr- it's not for him, it's for skeptics that they tie them up. It's both, actually. One, I recently was at David Thompson's physical mediumship seance in Sarasota, Florida. And I was asking David about this, and he said, well, it's really for my protection as well, because there are times when in trance, the uh, spirit entities will physically take over a body and cause that body to move down, around or oh. out the, the area. And sometimes that movement is uh, not well control or coordinated. So the physical oh. medium has his own physical safety that he has to be concerned about. Yeah. But there's also that big issue of fraud as well. If, if you're all tied up in a nice little bundle to a chair and strapped in and you've got a gag in your mouth and uh, you're entranced and half passed out, the chances that you're running around in the dark in a physical mediumship seance and producing phenomena is practically none to zero. So it serves two purposes, the restraint issues for the physical media does. Now, and it has to be dark as well. Why is that? Well, it doesn't really have to be dark. It has to be in low lighting at best. And the reason for this is, is that the perhaps the single most important component of a physical mediumship seance is the production of what is called ectoplasm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I call it, by the way, I, it's funny. I call this, I, I have discussion groups that I, 
I carry on with folks about this type thing. And uh, I call it the ectoplasmic hurdle because if you put ectoplasm into Google and look at some of the images, you'd never want to go to a physical mediumship oh, fail. Yeah. They have this they have this living energy that's very white, has all kinds of different smells associated with it. But it, it's extruding from various orifices, from nose and mouth and ears, from oh, the sexual organs. I mean, it, it's uh, out the you're, armpits, over the side of the neck. You're, uh, you're just, kidding. This is amazing. No, no, no. I mean, so so, it, so it, it appears, it, it comes out of this guy's body. Um, it's pr- produced by the pancreas, I'm told. Well, that's that's the the modern day theory of that. I'm not certain that's well supported, but it certainly is a combination of the chemistry of the physical medium and the chemistry that is put into play by the spirit world uh, from their etheric uh, chemistry labs. Matter of fact, oh. most physical mediums will tell you that their guides include a set of spirit chemists. So on the spirit side, it's, this is a very very difficult very uh, well-orchestrated and uh, well-practiced art of producing ectoplasm as well as producing the phenomena and making the communications work. Wow, this is so boggling. So, but, so well, he, he's, got, he's got the gag in his mouth, but he's got all these other orifices that can exude this stuff. And mm-hmm. its purpose is to allow spirits to manifest, right? But how does that work? Yeah, the spirit community is living in a realm, a dimension, if you will, that isn't very different from ours, but is of a higher vibrational level. And this higher vibrational level has to be either protected or stepped down to our earth plane vibrational levels in order for them to communicate or to materialize. In order to materialize, and when I say materialize, I mean that very literally, where there will be a full or partial, what some people might term an apparition, but it is a living being cloaked in this ectoplasm, which is used as a protective device for this higher vibrating spirit who's coming through in the sounds. So they cloak themselves with this ectoplasm in order to protect themselves. And then they can form this blanket of protection, this white ectoplasmic covering into any kind of uh, materialization they want, what they look like in spirit, what they used to look like when they were living on the earth plane. Uh, they can also take the ectoplasm and make long rods and arms out of it so they can oh, move objects. And uh, it's, uh, it's zany stuff, let me tell you. It's, it's zany bizarre. it is. Yes. It is bizarre. Yes. And my understanding is that it comes from the medium and it goes back into the medium again after the earth is yes. sends. Yes. Um, one of the dangers and one of the constant issues of security with physical mediumship is that the ectoplasm is extruded, is extruded into the area around and near the sitters. Uh, it can touch sitters. Uh, it can be used to cover hands and feet and, and uh, uh, can be used to create voice boxes so the spirits can speak in the language and in the dialect and inflection that they have while on earth. But it's very sensitive to 
any type of light except a low-level uh, red light, which shows it very visibly. You were asking about this, this issue of light before. Most physical mediums will display ectoplasm and the materializations that can occur with ectoplasm in low red light. This is very visible red light. This is uh, uh, plainly, you can see across the scout's room, you can see the materializations, the formation of the ectoplasm, the extrusion of uh, the ectoplasm from the, from the physical medium. Uh, David Thompson, in, in particular, uses no light, at least in the seances with him that I've attended. And uh, so consequently, you are in the dark for the majority of the time, uh, but he uh, and his spirit team make up for that with uh, extremely convincing direct voice with individuals, conversation with individuals, the touching and the feeling and the interaction, physical interaction with individuals who are sitting in the in the seance. Well, we need to have a break because I have some other questions about this, and I, I think we, we, we just should stop briefly, but I hate to do it. We, we'll be right back. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and we are exploring an edge of reality, which all of us are going to learn a lot more about, and it boggles the mind. Our wonderful guest today is Waller Joel. We'll be right back. Roberta Grimes spent decades reading more than 150 years of abundant and consistent communications from the dead. The result is her book, The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next. The Fun of Dying shows you why your mind is eternal. It explains how you can enjoy the death process, and it describes in detail the glorious forever that awaits us all. Now Roberta follows The Fun of Dying with The Fun of Staying in Touch. Learn how our dead loved ones give us spectacular signs of their survival. Learn about the wonderful ways that you can stay in contact with those you love. Go to robertagrimes.com for more information. It turns out that love really is eternal. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available for free on iTunes. Just go to Roberta Grimes at Seek Reality, or I think it's Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Whether you listen live or you download us and listen as you drive, thank you so much for being with us. Today we're talking with my friend Waller Joel, who is blowing my mind. Let's go back to ectoplasm, Waller. Look, <laughs> if, if, if we've, my understanding is that if you turn on the light, all this stuff snaps back into the body of the medium and could kill the medium. Is that right? Yeah, we have some uh, recorded cases of this happening. Uh, there is certainly going to be a retraction. As a matter of fact, it's an instantaneous retraction back into the physical medium's body of the ectoplasm if broad daylight or bright white light happens to be introduced into the seance. Uh, and we have uh, a history of mediums who have either ended their physical mediumship because of 
the uh, the horrors of the retraction of this ectoplasm into their physical bodies. We've had deaths from this. Yeah. And consequently, this means that the uh, physical mediums, especially our modern ones, are very, very concerned about the security, who they allow into the seance rooms. They prefer to have uh, experienced sitters who understand the rules and understand the liabilities and the problems and the dangers that are involved in physical mediums. Wow. All right. So now that we know what this is, this amazingly different kind of mediumship, can you tell us something? You said that the history of it goes back 200 years. Can you tell us something about its history? And then we're going to go on and talk about David Thompson, who I'm told is the best current physical medium and for a number of reasons. But and, and I know you were just with him in Sarasota. But tell us about this history uh, of this strange, amazing way to communicate with the dead. Well, we, we have written history going back into just um, in the United States now. Uh, that would start right around the Revolutionary War. Uh, we were starting to see physical mediumship coming of age here in the United States. There is history dating back to the 14th and 15th and 16th centuries over Europe of physical mediums, demonstrating uh, their power and the power of spirit. Uh, but it really got its, its kickoff when two things happened. In the middle of the 1800s, there was a, a couple of young ladies called the Fox Sisters. Uh, yes. Away oh, a, a was that what they were doing? Were, were they physical mediums? Well, yeah, they were considered uh, by a lot of people the first wow. United States-born physical mediums. And uh, their their mediumship uh, took off. And, and when it did take off through the eastern portion of the United States, New York and Massachusetts and in those areas, I remember we're talking about the 1850s, but there was no national mass media. So this was all by word of mouth, more or less. Occasional paper would write something up for the local readership. But this passed so quickly, word of mouth, and it became such a, a phenomenon that wanted to be visited by the public that it actually morphed into a religion. And that yeah. religion is what we call spiritualism with a capital S, which is winged and is, is found itself in a a state of limbo here in the United States, but it's very, very active in England and in several other countries, where the spiritualists are the uh, believers in the afterlife, and their evidence of the afterlife, that is the fact that we survive post-mortem, their evidence comes from physical mediumship in a lot of ways, and in the discarnate, which is our dead spirit friends, and the incarnate, which is us here alive, the discarnate incarnate communications, especially those communications which are between a spirit and an individual sitting in seance, which information could only be known by that spirit and could only be known by that person hearing the communication from the spirit. Yeah. The medium has no idea of this information. It's not Googleable. Uh, it's information such as a pet nickname your mother may have had that only you and her would know. Yeah. Or uh, a, a long lost girlfriend from the second grade 
that uh, you secretly admired. <laughs> it comes out in conversation. You know? Yeah, that's it's, really sweet. Well, I, I've, I've been at spiritualist churches and, and seen that they're very active, but they're primarily the ones I've seen um, using the services of psychic mediums, mental mediums. Um, yeah. But clearly then this has a, a history in the United States, perhaps not as formal a one as, as some other kinds of history. But uh, it, but then we had a long period where, uh, I mean, I've been studying this for decades. I really, I thought physical mediums were something from the olden days until I began to hear about some that are current. And that's very recently. So what happened? How did, how did we kind of return to looking at physical mediumship seriously? I'm not saying we came to, to looking after it. I mean, you just jumped back on the scene. Uh, there are, the spirit community apparently feels that there is a need for at least a minor resurgence of physical mediumship. And let me yeah, explain uh-huh, what okay. I mean by minor, because back in the 1850s to say 1920s, World War One, World War II-ish days, during that period of time, the golden era, of physical mediumship. There were literally thousands of physical mediums performing sittings and seances and producing communications from the afterlife, producing full materialized spirits that would sit down and have conversations with you for half an hour about things that uh, were going on in their world, going on in your world. I mean, you know, when Grandma comes to the seance and sits down and puts her arm around you, she's been dead 50 years, I'll say this. An she talks. She talks in her voice that you remember. She says things only you would. She would know. Yeah, I'd be pretty convinced at that point, no matter how skeptical I had been. So, all right. Yeah, so, no. so what's important then is to is to emphasize what you just said. As we all who work in this field are coming to understand, um, those who are working with us who are not now in bodies are really the ones leading this resurgence. And you're saying this is another of the ways they're doing it, by re-inspiring physical mediums. We're just getting absolutely inundated with information coming from various sources, coming from the alien community, coming from the mediumship, both mental and physical community, uh, from the channeling community. uh, Just more than you can possibly absorb in a lifetime comes through almost on a weekly basis. And this information is is trying to send the the population of non-believers in the afterlife as well as proponents of the afterlife a wake-up call. And the wake-up call is we're real. We can communicate. We will be communicating with you in much easier ways than this. This is the mediumship that we're having to use now, mental mediumship, psychic mediumship, physical mediumship. But uh, down the road, there's going to be much more open, direct communication. Matter of fact, one of your good friends and an email correspondent of mine, Dr. Gary Schwartz, as you know, is working on a yes, uh, what he calls a soul phone, which is you know a dial up to Grandma, and uh, that's very exciting news. And I think Gary is have some real <laughs> interesting things coming along. I told Gary I said one time, I said I want the uh, National Master Franchise for the Soul Phone. 
You're not supposed to care about money. I have to tell you. <laughs> no, it's it, it's very it's very exciting. I I know several people working independently, but all working toward the same goal, which is making it easy for people to have conversations with, um, with people who are not now in bodies. I mean, we had someone at the conference in July, um, Sonia Rinaldi, and now uh, one of my very good friends is she, she uses a computer and there's software to do this. But what what it takes is a station set up above you so that you have, you know, you you got one end, you got the computer and the software, but you need to have the station set up, and that's done by, by people who are dead. And I know someone who's now building an American station, and I'm, I'm thrilled for him and thrilled for the people he's working with and especially thrilled for us because if he makes that happen, the world will change. So it's well, exciting. Well, it certainly will. You know, Roberta, <laughs> I can't think of one question that is any more important than why are we here? And the answer to that question is in the spirit realm. Because we have a tendency to see ourselves as physical human beings occupying a physical container and a physical mind. And what we see out through our two eyeballs is reality and None of that that is true. This this is a great illusion, a dream that we're living in. Our true selves, our higher minds, if you will, they exist in this spirit world, the real world of of where we came from. And it answers the question of why are we here? And we're here for experiences. We're here to learn. We're here to uh, enjoy ourselves as well. It's supposed to be uh, somewhat of a fun thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we hope that the uh, spirit community will continue to seek avenues, regardless of how they are, computers or or uh, voices in the dark or intrusion into our dream world, which is uh, more people I talk to, the more they seem to be making touch with their past over relatives in the dream world. But I guess the bottom line is is that the the channels are opening up, the information is there, and if you are not looking at the idea of being an eternal being, of having an afterlife, or many afterlives, uh, you're missing a great portion of why you are here, Right. and these days you, you've got to have some blinders on not <laughs> to have... Uh, no, have it's pretty obvious. And, yes, yeah, it's it, pretty obvious, but what's wonderful, Waller, is that as I speak about this, ten, four years ago, just four years ago, I would talk about it. Now there would be blank stares all over the room. I just got back from a wonderful trip to San Jose and did four different um, events, and everybody was so engaged. They asked great questions. Everybody really was was far along in their journey, and I was so um, astonished and thrilled and have been to see consistently this kind of elevation of people's interest and, and awareness just in four years' time. It is happening so fast. The acceleration is is almost too difficult to keep up with, and I think that's one of the reasons that we are seeing physical mediumship sort of have this, as I said, minor resurgence. Uh, it's time to get, the, to get the word out. There aren't any excuses for not doing your own research on the afterlife. I'm not here to convince anybody of it. Uh, there's no need. You can go on to Google, and then That's in right. 15 yes. seconds, you'll have more to read about spirit community and the afterlife and the evidence 
But, but you can't go to Wikipedia. Let's be clear about this. Wikipedia is out rather foolishly and amateurishly to try to debunk the truth. And eventually they'll be embarrassed and they'll start printing the truth. But meanwhile, do not use Wikipedia as a source for anything uh, with regard to the greater reality at all. My experience has been that they're, it's embarrassing how, how little they know and therefore they can't even debunk it well. It's kind of sad. But, <laughs> But okay, um, and, and I, I would just echo again, Waller, what you say, which is that we aren't trying to convince anyone. We're trying to open people's minds enough so they'll they'll do their own research. Um, in the back of both of my books, there's a, some 70 uh, a volume um, annotated bibliography, which is every book there I've read, although I haven't read them recently because uh, it's, I've been kind of busy. But I, you can do this research. You you can follow Waller's journey if you choose, or you can follow my own. But you can get to where you understand the truth about reality, and that's what's so exciting. Okay, uh, we've been putting off talking about David. Why don't we talk about him? Tell me about sure. David Thompson. Well, tell me, how, how long have you known him? I mean, what what how how do you know him? What is what is your history with David? Well, you know, in the physical mediumship community, it's it's a fairly tight community in terms of the the number of people that are blogging or writing or podcasting about it and in the um, in the american scene there are only three physical mediums that are coming from overseas we don't have an american based physical mediumship circle here we get our our physical mediums from australia and england and in germany and austria austria uh Wow. So it's a so tight community. 300 million forms. people, folks. 300 million people. Isn't anybody willing to step forward who has these abilities? Sorry, I had to just say that. Little plug. Okay. No, so I, they, don't think, I don't <laughs> think there are. Uh, really? First of all, I, I think it's without having a spiritualist community active here in the United States, there isn't a built-in support and base group for oh. sitting oh. in circles and, and the development of physical mediums. Physical mediums probably are born, but they are found out by long, tedious sitting in circles with folks that have like kind interest trying to make communication. And most physical mediums, David, David Thompson would be a perfect example of this, uh, they ended up being the physical medium out of fault. Uh, they were sitting in a circle and found out that they were the ones that were able to pass through information and create spirit phenomena, and uh, all of a sudden, bam, they're spirit, uh, I mean, they're physical mediums. So it's it's <laughs> a difficult thing to, um, to get to the point where you are uh, making the types of spirit communications and the ability to materialize and move objects and show spirit power you might sit for five or ten years before these uh, powers come through. As you well know, Roberta, I will know Americans will sit still for five or ten years for anything. It's hard enough to sit still for five or ten minutes. So. They, 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 they did an experiment, Waller, in which they put it's people right. in a room with, with, with a, and the ability to give themselves electric shocks. That's all they could do. And there was one guy who shocked himself 200 times in like 10 minutes just because he couldn't stand <laughs> not having something going on. Now, that's in the essence of an American for you. 
Oh, my Lord. But we're going to talk about David. We're going to take another quick break, though, first. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. You are a powerful, eternal being. You never begin and you never will end. When you really grasp all the implications of that extraordinary fact, it will change everything in your life. Our guest today is my dear friend and very, very enjoyable companion, Waller Joel. We'll be right back. Afterlife researcher Victor Zamet has long been a leader in the field of helping us understand what is going on. Like Roberta Grimes, Victor is an attorney. Like her, he was dissatisfied with the scientific and religious explanations of reality. So he did what lawyers do. He examined the evidence. And when he drew the same set of conclusions that every open-minded researcher has drawn, he began to educate the world. Roberta considers the free Friday Afterlife report that Victor and Wendy Zamet produce to be indispensable access to fresh information about our one reality. Go to victorzamet.com and sign up to receive their wonderful Friday Afterlife report. That's V-I-C-T-O-R-Z-A-M-M-I-T dot com. It's the best news you'll read all week. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. We're talking today with Waller Joel about physical mediumship. And you made a very good point just before we broke. You said that... We don't develop them here because we do, don't spend a lot of time sitting in seances. And in fact, my, the, my favorite guys, the, well, women mostly, the early 20th century deep trance mediums also were developed that way. I mean, to have to sp- sort of spend 10 years sitting with people on the odd chance that you know, one of you may be uh, a, a true either deep trance or physical medium is, is a big investment for a lot of people. And no wonder, I guess, we don't have them here. But David Thompson is an Australian, I think. And uh, tell us more about him. Yes, David is, is actually English-born, moved to Australia with his physical mediumship, uh, found a, a community that was supportive there, and uh, has most physical mediums started out with light phenomena, sitting in, in the dark, uh, a spirit voice here or there. And as he practices demonstrations of physical mediumship, as his spirit guides and his spirit controls became better acclimated to, um, to David, uh, how they could extrude ectoplasm from him. Um, as they got better with the communication piece, uh, his mediumship got more and more powerful. And uh, now David's at a juncture which is very important for the uh, a physical medium. He's starting to move into visible light during his seances. Right at this moment, though, he is still demonstrating, for the most part, in the dark. And David's uh, and his spirit control's approach to physical mediumship is more of the Victorian or Edwardian or the old style, you might say, in that he sits in a cabinet, completely and securely tied, 
to a chair, a very heavy chair, and during the seance, uh, we will have materializations of various spirit controls. It's a very orchestrated style. It's almost scripted in some uh, senses of the of the nature of the way the uh, mediumship, his mediumship, and his seance pr- proceeds and progresses. And he'll bring forward William, who is his spirit control, sort of like his MC. Uh, William <laughs> will come out and he will walk across a wooden planked floor to show that he is a fully materialized physical in a physical form. While he is there, he will walk around and address people in the audience and uh, uh, known as the sitters. In my particular case, I was sitting, very fortunately, just to the left of the uh, cabinet. And uh, so I would get to hear the cabinet uh, draperies be pulled back, the curtains slide on the rings and, and whatnot, and uh, would be there when William would come out and was able to get him to place a hand on my head and uh, a toe of his boot on my shoe and converse with me directly about questions that I had about the etheric world and, and some other related questions. Uh, William's probably so, seven feet tall, as best I can tell. We're sitting but, but he wasn't that in ceiling. life, though, right? He was, he's bigger than he was in life, right? He's bigger than he was in life. He claims he was around, you know, typical six-footish, you know, modern man, uh, 18th century style, um, 1700s late. He um, wow. uh, wasn't a particularly. He wasn't a particularly uh, known uh, celebrity type of individual. But in the spirit world, I tell you, he is. Uh, he has got a boomy voice. He's a rock star. <laughs> of, he's a rock star, no doubt about that. One but is he made, he's made out of ectoplasm? That body you see and that puts his hand on your head—that's made out of ectoplasm, right? He's sheathed in ectoplasm, but when he put his hand sheathed in ectoplasm on my head, I felt the warmth of a human hand. I felt four fingers and a thumb. And (laughs) as a matter of fact, he asked me if I felt his his hand on my head. I said, yeah, William, I feel your big hand on my big head. And uh, he he, he kind of gave a little chuckle at that. (laughs) Because spirits got... Spirits got some humor too. They they can be funny. They like to have some fun with these uh, with these things. But David's David's entire seance is built on these materializations of different individuals. Louis Armstrong comes and and plays uh, a tambourine, a harmonica, and sings "Hello Dolly," uh, which is almost in the exact same pitch and tenor. Uh, really? uh, the recordings that we have of Louis. Quentin Crisp, who was probably the first international uh, outwardly gay celebrity, yes. comes along and he has a lot of fun, especially with the, with the gay community, which was well represented at my particular seance. He has a lot of fun with them. Again, they're, they're speaking in <laughs> their voices. Wow. They're speaking almost out of midair. You can hear them walk around the room. They stamp their feet. They clap their hands. They're doing everything they possibly can to show that they are fully physically materialized. And when they reach out to touch you or reach out to grab something or to do something or even to move, you can hear the ectoplasm almost sloshing 
It's a very alien kind of sound, and it's a oh, little, my word. It's con- it's a little discombobulating <laughs> the first time that you that you hear it. Yeah, when he reached wow. out to touch my, reached out to touch my head, you could hear this gurgling, almost sucking sound, as if he was pushing his hand through. Uh, a very dense field of jelly or something, and you could hear it coming, and then I could feel it on my head. And when he retracted his head, you got that sucking sound of something being retracted. Oh, my uh, goodness. So the ectoplasm is a jelly-like substance then, or seems to be? Seems to be. We don't know much about it, to be honest with you. There have been a couple of opportunities that they have taken uh, uh, some ectoplasm and, and tried to, uh, break it down into its organic constituent forms, but I don't think we really know much about it. You cannot handle it unless you are asked to handle it. Again, this is the retraction issue and the disruption of the ectoplasm that we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, so on rare instances and with some physical mediums, they are now allowing you to touch and feel the ectoplasm. Uh, that's not true in David's a particular case. Every physical medium has their own way of doing things, and David's way is one of presenting individualized, materialized uh, spirit beings using ectoplasm as their covering and protection, which allows them to down vibrate to our levels and be able to exist in our world. And he wow. brings these out one by one uh, while he is entranced, and they communicate, they talk, and they do a very uh, very fun but very informational Q and A. So you get to wow. ask whatever questions you want to ask. You get to to do those kinds of things. But let me tell you what was most stunning about David's seance, and that was the information that was provided to individual sitters. That was proof that they were talking to their deceased mothers and fathers, and the physical touching of deceased infant child. We had two individuals whose parents came forward and discussed with them things that made no sense to me, but were perfectly acceptable conversation between the sitter and his, his deceased discarnate parents. We had two of those happen in one seance. But the most stunning one was your friend Donna Smith Moncrief's had an acquaintance at a physical seance, and the individual whose name I will not give because there's a little bit of an embarrassment about this, was approached by a spirit being called May. And May sounds like she was a a pre-Civil War Southern nanny. Black, uh, heavy drawl, booming voice, using Southern inflection and Southern dialogue like y'all. And she brought forward to Donna Smith Moncrief's friend sitting next to her and across from me in sound, an infant child that this young woman had apparently lost at some time in the past, whether it was birth loss or post-birth death, I don't know. But it was an amazing piece of... uh, evidential mediumship that left this woman absolutely stunned that she was able to touch that child that she had lost in some previous years 
And that information had never, ever, even to Donna Smith Moncrief, been told to anybody. Wow. So not only was she stunned to feel this young child, she was stunned that anybody knew about it. Yeah, wow. Well, obviously the dead would know about it because the child is there. I should just mention that Donna Smith Moncrief, who was also at these seances in September, will be my guest next week. So uh, this is is going to be fun to talk to her about this as well. Well, I am totally boggled and bowled over by this. Um, But one of the things I love about the things you're saying, Waller, is that it all fits with what I already know. I'm very skeptical by nature. And if you were sort of bringing forth things that didn't jibe with the rest of the afterlife evidence, I would say, say, let's do more research before I believe this. But mm-hmm. this all perfectly jibes, as you found as well in your research, it jibes with what we know. And it's just another way for the dead to kind of yank us by the, the collar and say, listen up, folks. Your minds are eternal. Everything is fine. And uh, it's time to wake up. And they're waking us up. And I love the way you express it, that it's all coming from there. They've decided to inspire more people to sit in seance, to become physical mediums. I'm just amazed and uh, I'm, I'm delighted. This is thrilling. It, we're, it we're, really coming, is. we're coming sort of toward the end. What, are other, what, what else would you like to sort of tell us? I'm for sure going to make sure we have another conversation because you have a lot to tell us. But what, anything else happened at those sittings that, that um, you think we should know? Well, there was a, a great deal of, of physical phenomena. There were trumpets flying around the room. I got smacked upside the head with a set of, of uh, Tibetan bells that were placed there for the, the spirit community. Uh, I wasn't appreciative of that, by the way, in case you all were listening up there. I didn't appreciate that. Oh, but uh, there was a number of, of, uh, of those types of uh, fairly typical physical phenomena where the power, there's no power being applied, no force being applied to these objects, yet they're flying around the room at speeds that you can hardly keep up with. Uh, they're, they're illuminated with luminescent tape, so even in the dark you can clearly see the, the, the intelligence of the movement of trumpets and bells and other apparatus that are in the room. And uh, that brings it to the where I'd kind of like to come to a conclusion as well. There are two reasons for physical mediumship. One is the evidentiality of the afterlife, and that's a very, very important part of this, obviously. Yes, yeah. But I think that what's happening with modern mediumship is, is that there is much more physical phenomena, more rats and knocks and more direct voice in midair and those types of things, displays of ectoplasm. And they're, they're trying to send us another message. And this is, why don't you guys down there think about some of this physical phenomena, how this stuff is happening? What is the relationship between your modern physics and the physics that, that seems to be violated, that we can violate, and how we are going about doing it? In other words, there's a different set of physics out there a different yes. set of energy manipulations that it's time we start paying attention to. Yes, and, yes. And I think that's the, 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 the lost piece in yes. the, the, the physical dimension uh, demonstration, Roberta, is that they're not only sending us evidence of the afterlife. There's a lot. I mean, there's just 
more evidence of that after life than you could research and, and read in, in a lifetime. In a lifetime, But they're trying right? to sell us something else. There's a whole other world out there of energy manipulation, vibration, resonance, sacred geometry. You guys need to start paying attention to it's time now. Yes. And time is running short as we are accelerating rapidly to being very, very different civilization, I'd say, in the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, I, I, I think you're so right, and that's such a wonderful point. I call it the third wave of physics, and I, when I lecture now, I talk about what it is and how it is being revealed to us. So th- thank you for that wonderful point. I am so sorry we've come to the end of our time, but I definitely will, will be having this conversation with you again to talk about more of what you can tell us. Thank you so much, Waller. Well, I'm Roberta Gr- I, Go ahead. Roberta, quickly, you have David Thompson coming to your uh, conference uh, in yes. 2015. Make sure you make it. Make sure everybody who's in the area makes David's sign up. Thank you for saying that because I would have forgotten to. The Afterlife Research and Education section of the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies will in September, September 25th to 27th, 2015 in Scottsdale, Arizona, be hosting the most extraordinary conference you can imagine on life in the afterlife, including having David there doing seances and also doing uh, uh, just a materialization of William to chatter, to walk around and chat with you and, and answer your questions. Um, go to ASCSI.org for more information. Thank you for, I, I would have forgotten to say that. That's how intense I am about this. I got your back, Roberta. <laughs> you do. You always do. I'm Roberta Grimes. My book said the fun of dying. Find out what really happens next. The fun of staying in touch about communication and several novels. Go to robertagrimes.com. And if you sign up there, you and I can stay in touch. We've been talking with the wonderful and fascinating Waller Joel about physical mediumship. Next week, Donna Smith von Creep, who is a very dedicated researcher, is going to tell us more about this cutting edge field. Please don't miss it. And now go out and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.